0: Hi, I'm Linise Brothers, a registered nutritionist, women's health, hormone, and menstrual cycle coach, and the founder of Eat, Love, Move, a nutrition and well-being practice. This is the Period Story Podcast, where in each episode, I sit down with a guest to talk about their period story. We get behind some of the myths and misconceptions about periods and so much more. Now, on to today's guest.
1: On today's episode, we have Trisha Barker founder of the Imposter Syndrome Solution. Trisha is a life coach and NLP practitioner who is on a mission to help people stop doubting their abilities and believe in themselves so they can thrive in their career and life. She works with organizations and individuals to help them understand how imposter syndrome is impacting their business and careers while helping them to build a toolkit to manage and overcome imposter syndrome. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So let's get right into it. Can you tell me the story of your fir- very first period?
2: Yeah, it's a little bit of a blur. I can't remember the exact age. I think it was about 11 or 12. So very, I, I see that as a young age to start. And I'd been at a friend's sleepover. It was a friend's birthday. We'd all gone to have a sleepover. And I remember having really bad stomach pains and But I didn't want to leave because it was this party. But in the end, the girl's mum had to ring my mum to come and collect me. I went home and just thought I had stomach ache, and then actually went to the toilet at some point and saw blood. And I remember at the time thinking, oh, am I dying? Like what? I, I, if, if I was taught about periods beforehand, at that moment in time, I didn't remember any of it. Like, I just didn't know what was happening to me. And I remember calling my mom and my mom coming and saying, it's okay, you've just started your periods. Here's some sanitary pads. And that was my, literally, experience. So your mind just went blank in that moment? Thinking back now, I'm not sure whether it went blank or I'd never had. I can't remember whether we touched on these subjects at school. I can't remember ever having a conversation with my mum where this was normalised for me. I can't remember. I just remember at the time being so shocked that I thought I was dying. <laughs> and then what happened after you got over your initial shock? Um, we just didn't, in, a, in the house, and it's really weird because I was brought up in a house full of older sisters and mum. It was just, a, it wasn't a subject we spoke about. You know, I was given the sanitary towels, told it would happen each month. And then that was it, really. And then you just carried on. And like I said, I was quite young. So starting to have periods at a really young age at high school was quite a horrible thing. Like it was, I felt so shameful. I don't know whether other people feel like that, but you've got this thing that's happening to you and you don't really understand what's happening. And yeah, you've got to go around your day to day thing. And we know that actually the energy and how you feel at that time. You don't really want to be going out there into the world, but you've got to go out and back in those days it were really big, fat, thick sanitary pads. So you're trying to wear those in your school uniform and you had a skirt on, so you felt a little bit like vulnerable. Um so yeah, it was just I just remember at that at that time in my life, I just felt like they were horrible and I felt really embarrassed and shameful about it how long did you think that, that it took you to
1: get over that shame get past that shame
2: oh till I was in my 40s oh
1: wow okay <laughs> yeah
2: because I think you go from school and then you go to college or whatever career path you take and then you go into the workplace and in the workplace it's still a, a thing that we don't talk about like mm-hmm. I always say this to people you know you used to put your tampacks up your sleeve to go to the toilet you just In the workplace, it's another taboo subject. So in school and in the workplace, it's just as women, we're trying to hide this thing that happens each month. We're trying to be peppy, you know, and act like our energy is high when actually we feel really low in energy. And yeah, I just think it's this whole thing until I was in probably my 40s and started to understand about periods then that was it. I just, I will talk about it to anybody and everybody now.
1: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back to what you said about you growing in a ho- house with your mom, up in a house with your mom and your older sister, but it wasn't really spoken about. Why do you think that is? Why do you think you didn't have that, have
2: those conversations? It's an interesting one. I'm not really sure because we are very open about lots of subjects. I don't know whether it was the time, um, whether it's the education now that I think it's so important that we should be talking about these subjects. I just think it was the time that we just didn't talk about those sorts of things. I don't think there was any particular reason why it was avoided. No, not sure.
1: You didn't really have the conversations at home and you said that you didn't really remember being taught about it in school. So how did
2: you learn about what was happening with your body? Really, um, to really understand what was happening. Again, back in my 40s, you know, when I spoke to my mum, she told me that I would have a period every month and I would bleed for a few days. So once it started to happen, we had that conversation. She did tell me. But that's all I thought it was. I thought there was this period of time that I would bleed each month and that was it. But never do we really understand, as a woman, what happens in our body each month and what are the different cycles we go through in that month. You know, every woman who I speak to now, they know about the maybe PMT. Before they have their period, they know about their period, and that's it. So I think even anybody at any age, their education of what happens to us as women is really limited for us so for
1: you personally now you know you're talking about going beyond what happened in your period and that week before yeah what was that light bulb moment for you or was it more of a gradual kind of learning about what was going on
2: yeah so I think for a long time I um sort of masked what was happening in my body so when I was I would say late teens, the pain that I used to have with my period and really heavy periods when I was at that age, my mum took me to the doctor and the doctor decided to put me on the contraceptive pill because that would be a really good fix to stop that happening. So for a long period of time, I didn't have that natural cycle. You know, it was being driven by a contraceptive pill. Um, So for a long period of time, you get out of sync with your body, don't you? Because you're not really in tune with it anymore. Um, and I wish now, you know, we would have said, no, that's not the reason. That's not the solution to the problem. Let's find out what the problem is. Um, so for many years, I used the contraceptive pill, and it was only sort of, I would say, in my little mid to late thirties I decided I didn't want to spend so much time on the contraceptive pill it's not I didn't think it was good for my health and that's when I really started to feel again what happens each month Um, and I went to the doctors I remember it was about about five years ago still having these horrendous pains so trying to you know I had a job where each month. I was just hoping and praying that I wouldn't be out and about somewhere because the pain was excruciating. Like I've never had a baby and I've got a really good pain threshold. But that first day of my cycle is horrendous. The pain is so intense. Nothing stops it. Mm. Um, And I went to the doctor and interestingly, again, tried to give me a pill. or we'll give you antispasm. And I was like, no, there's something, I want to know why my body is doing this. I don't want the fix. I want to find what is the root cause. And I had to really push, really push. He was having none of it. And I ended up getting referred. And in the end, I went through this whole process of different tests and I had endometriosis. And I probably had it when I was a young girl. Mm. So that sort of sparked me into this whole I need to know more about my body. Like, how have I missed this all this time? And hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? But I think that sparked this whole interest. And I was chatting to someone about, um, after I had an operation for the endometriosis, so then I didn't have the pain each month. But then I was chatting to someone about, oh, I felt like I was really full of ideas last month. Uh, last week and I felt like I was really on top of things and this week I just feel a bit sluggish and I don't know why I don't know what's wrong with me thinking there's something wrong with me and she said have you ever learned about your cycle your monthly cycle and she recommended a book to me and that's when things started to change for me so that was that was only like three years ago like you know I'm I'm at the stage of my life where I'm not going to be I'm moving into the stage where I'm moving towards the menopause I wish I'd have known this earlier, but I look at it now that I know this magic now and I didn't know it before, but at least I do now. Going back to the pain that you were
1: experiencing as a teenager yeah. and then going on to the pill, um, did the pill, you, said you used the word masks. did yeah. you feel like the pill masked the pain? That you, Did you still experience any pain or did it? No, no, no pain? it took it away, took it away completely okay and then once you came off the pill what was it like that transition off the pill to then having natural cycles and really and then experiencing the pain again
2: I think you I felt much more emotional because you're I think for me on the pill you don't get those different fluctuations in the hormones mm. so you sort of feel the same all month along Um, And I remember coming off, I just felt a little bit like all over the place and like, should I just go back on it? Because I feel like really bizarre. But I remember just thinking, let's just ride through it and see what happens. I want to be back in tune with my own body. I don't want to be taking this forever. Um, So, yeah, it was I remember at the time just feeling a lot of the feels like what's going on with me? I'm a woman, that's what was going on with me. (laughs) And
1: getting that diagnosis of endometriosis so far into the time that you have that you have your period. Getting that how how did you you said that you know, you wish you had known earlier, but how did that information impact did it didn't impact your day-to-day life or was it a feeling of, okay, now I know what's going on?
2: I think it's the same with a lot of things. It's just nice to sometimes have a label to understand what is going on. I think, you know, you go to see a doctor and you've got a 10-minute slot to explain Ooh. what is going on with you. The majority of the time it's a male doctor who doesn't under, really understand. They might know it from a medical point of view. But from experiencing it, they don't understand it. Um, And for me, it was just nice to, now I know what's been going on. And I felt really proud, actually, that I'd fought to find out what was happening rather than accepting another prescription of another different type of pill to mask the pain. So for me, it was a relief. It was a relief Mm. to know it and a relief that actually I could, I had surgery. That was the thing that helped me. Unfortunately, it has come back, so I'm experiencing it again. But at the time, it was just nice to be heard and listened to. The the surgeon that worked on the endometriosis, he was like, this is what I think you've got, and I am the only person who can find this. Any other test that they send you for will not work. But it took to speak to that specialist, to have that conversation about my body, that everybody I spoke to along the way kept saying there's nothing medically wrong with you.
1: You said that you had, so you had the surgery and then, but now it's come back. Yeah. Did you change anything after you had the surgery? Did you, did you change anything in your life or did it make the way that you approach your life any different?
2: No, it just gave me maybe not the fear, so sometimes, like I said, I was working in a corporate job at the time, and I could be up and down the country, I could be in a really important presentation day, I never knew what was going to happen. And so that fear of, I always wanted to try and work from home my first day of my cycle. So mm. I think when, the, when I didn't have the endometriosis anymore, I didn't have the pain. So then I had this freedom of, well, it doesn't matter where it happens. Like, yes, I would prefer to be able to hunker down and, you know, feel into the slowing down energy. But, yeah, the fear disappeared because it was okay to be out in public and not worry about having to handle this pain situation that I would have. I remember once driving along in my car when it started and I couldn't drive, like I couldn't focus on driving and managing the pain and I had to pull over and wait for it to go. So I didn't have any of that anymore. Like it was, it was such a freedom. Mm. And, and now that you said that the pain,
1: the pain has come back. So is it as bad as it was
2: before and how are you managing the pain? Um, I would say now it's worse when it does come back. So um, how do I manage it? Nothing seems to work. Like I'm very fortunate. I don't know what, I don't think anything in life is a coincidence, but it always seems to work on a day where I don't have much, I don't have any client work or it's a weekend day where I have no plans or actually I cancel the plans if I have got plans now. I, I honor my cycle and know that I just need to rest. Um but, yeah, I need to go back to the doctors, but until we can go back to having doctors' appointments, but yeah, that's mm. one of the things that I need to push for because mm. they are getting to a point where yeah, it's really affected me, and then, because the pain is so bad, I'm exhausted for a couple of days afterwards because of the the trauma of going through the pain, but also the the sometimes that the pain is all through the night, so i I miss a night's sleep
1: and on the show, we've had three or four guests with endometriosis. And a theme that has run through all of the conversations about their endometriosis, no matter what stage endometriosis they they have, yeah. is this idea of being their pain or their experience being minimized or dismissed by healthcare professionals and the yeah. feeling like they've really had to fight and advocate for themselves. What would you say in that in in that sort of theme what would you say that your experience has been you know you mentioned the 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 word fight earlier and to fight um, for a diagnosis can you talk a bit more about that
2: yeah so when I went to the doctors they were very much of the mindset of you've got that 10 minute slot I will give you a pill to fix the problem and I took that prescription the first time tried them when my monthly cycle came around again, the first day of my period, I tried these tablets, they did not work. So I went back again and I remember him trying to give me a different prescription. And that was at the time that I just thought, this isn't the solution. Like you're trying to give me another, I don't like taking prescription drugs unless there's a real need for it. So I think that sort of pushed my decision that I don't want to take these tablets. And I just thought this is, not the solution. I need a different one. And I just pushed, you know, I I remember sitting there and just saying, I'm not leaving. I need you to refer me to somebody else. I don't want to take tablets. I want to get to the bottom of this. And I remember I was just quite forceful in the meeting like in this 10 minute slot that you have to refer me. And, um, I think he was just shocked and he did. (laughs) (laughs) But even when I went to see different professionals throughout the whole of that time, they couldn't understand that I could have pain without heavy periods, like I wasn't having a heavy bleed. So I saw about three different people before I saw the surgeon who did my surgery for my endometriosis. But each different person I I saw, they were adamant that there was nothing wrong with me. Like they just kept trying to tell me there's nothing there but I had this just sense of knowing that this is not, this is my body. I'm not masking it with any drugs or pain relief. I know I had just had this sense of knowing that this isn't normal. I know, and I know there's something wrong and I, and I will get to the bottom of it. So I, I feel very fortunate that that happened for me. And when I saw that final surgeon, he said, yeah, I think you've got endometriosis. It was just like a sense, just this massive sense of relief that someone was listening that I was probably right. That actually there was something, there definitely was something wrong in my body. And there was a male doctor that was understanding what was happening in my body. It was, it was incredible. What do
1: you think it took for you to be able to, Fight for yourself in those moments. You know, you mentioned the moment where you wouldn't leave the surgery until they referred you. What what preparation did you do to for yourself in that moment?
2: I think you just get to a tipping point where enough's enough. Like, like all the different pain relief you can take, you just decide that that's not the solution. I think that's when I decided. I don't want to keep trying to try all these different drugs. That's not, you know, I, I work a lot through the coaching to find the root problems of what, why different things happen. So, again, it's back to the root cause. That's what's going to fix something. All of the prescription drugs, all it does is, like I said before, is mask it. So mm-hmm. I just went, I just was like, I'm going into this meeting and I'm not leaving until I have be been referred. <laughs> i've got a 10 minute slot and you need me out of here as soon as possible so i'm just going to try it and see what happens and thankfully it worked (laughs) they need you out of there quickly so just stick to your guns and just fight for what you want i want to
1: switch gears a little bit and talk about um how you said that now you honor your psycho and you mentioned how you through coincidence or not on the first day of your period you're able to um, shift shift gears a little bit and stay at home or stay close to home yeah talk a little bit more about what else you do to across the all of your your menstrual cycle to integrate that and how you're feeling energy
2: wise into your work and the rest of yeah. your life so I like I said, someone recommended a book to me which was code read by Lisa Lister and that explained that actually what we're taught very early on about, you know, we have this period of time where we bleed. I learned that actually I have all this different magic that happens throughout the whole of the month. And in different phases, you know, I learned about there was a spring, a spring season, summer, autumn and winter. And in each of those, there's different things happening in my body and different energies that I'm gonna get. You know, I'm gonna be masculine energy, feminine energy. It was like a light bulb went off. I was like, we should get this at school. We should understand when we start our periods what actually happens the whole of the month. So I started to, um, you got a download to track. So you just start to track on the first day of your bleed, and then you just started to notice what's happening in my body each day. How am I feeling? How do I feel work-wise? What's going on in my head? And I just started to track it. That's the first thing I did. So I did it for the first month. And then the second month, I would sort of look at, say, just pick a day, day 11, where I might feel a little bit flat. And I'd look back at the chart of the month before and look at day 11 and realize, oh, actually, on day 11, I feel a little bit flat. (laughs) So I started to realize that there was different energies that I was feeling in those times so then I started to put the dates of my um, cycle alongside the daily the diary that I have so now it might say it's the you know the 23rd today but it will also show that I'm on day 11 of my cycle so now when people are asking me if I can do things like I'm, I'm moving into perimenopause now so my Ability to plan as well as I did. So, for about the last 18 months, I've had the same regular cycle. So, when somebody mm-hmm. asks me to do something, I think, Where am I in my cycle? So, I know that in autumn and winter, I'm a little bit more um, in my feminine energy. So, things might feel a little bit like I'm, I don't feel as sociable, especially when I'm in my autumn being able to talk and communicate is a little bit more difficult. I struggle to find the words sometimes and articulate what I'm wanting to say. So I found that spring and summer was the times that I'm more sociable, great for doing things like this, speaking to you, um, delivering workshops, all of those different things. I realized that there was different energy, like in all of those different times there's a time for planning there's a time for getting shit done there's a time oh. for accepting invitations to socialize and do all of those fun things and i started to just experiment with it like you can't always do it you know somebody if somebody's running an event you you know you could say well i can't do it because i'm going to be in winter but i started to say yes i would do certain things and If somebody asked me for a social thing, I'd think, well, I'm in summer now, so I'm dying to say yes to this because I'm in that energy where I want to be around people and be sociable. But when they want to meet with me, I know that's going to be winter and I'm not going to want to feel so sociable. So it helped me to start to say yes and no to things that I thought were right for the energy. And that worked wonderfully for about 18 months. Now I'm moving into a phase where my cycle isn't as regular. So I can have a 25-day cycle. I can have a 29-day cycle. So the the ability to plan has gone a little bit, but I still use that. I still try and guess as much as I can. And the beauty is I will then go and tweak anything afterwards if then my period comes early. I then look at my diary for the week after and think, is there anything I can move around to make sure that I am using my energy in this week in the right way. So, yeah, it's just for me, like I said, I found this out at such a late time in my period journey that I I wish I'd have known before. But like I say, hindsight's a wonderful thing. It's been the most amazing transformation for me. Instead of guessing, what's wrong with me? Why can't I do what I could do last week? Why is my inner critic really loud at the moment? Now I just go, oh, I get it. It's my hormones. It's okay. It will pass. This isn't me. This is my hormones. And ever since that's happened, it's just like this huge sense of relief. <laughs> it sounds like you've learned to really be tender with yourself. Massively. Massively. I recognize that we we work in a in a society that has been designed for men, you know, the working day is designed for a man, you know, the nine to five is, is based on the man's body clock. Like we are trying to fit into a man's world and we, we want to be treated equally, but we have to recognize that we, we have a difference. Like what happens in our body is different. And there's magic in that. Like if we can work to our cycle we can be much more productive. We can perform better if we work with that energy, but we cannot be in this masculine energy all the time, the hustle, the pushing, always being switched on, always being a hundred mile an hour. We can do it, but there's a consequence to it. Now I know that there's a a flow between the masculine and and the feminine energy. I just try and honor it more and Just always when I'm feeling in a funk or I'm feeling like I just don't have ideas today or I can't find my words, I'm just like, where am I in my cycle? I just ask myself all the time. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Most of the time, it is down to my hormones. It's just where I am in my cycle. (laughs) Hmm. It's amazing how when you start to
1: tune into what's happening to your body, you learn so much more about yourself. And you move away from this idea of dealing with your body and dealing with what's happening to your body to having a better understanding and maybe not embracing it, but being more um, understanding of yourself. I just wanted to just talk, just make, uh, for listeners who don't know some of the terms that Trisha's used. So she talked about the summer... Um, winter, autumn, and spring. So those are the different phases of the menstrual cycle. And so winter is when you have your period. Um, Spring is when you come out of your period, the follicular phase. Summer is ovulation. And then um, autumn is the luteal phase. So this is just a kind of terminology that some people use to, to describe the different phases of the menstrual cycle. And it's a nice, Analogy for what's happening across the seasons.
2: That really Uh, helped me, Linise, because I could think about well, what happens in winter? Well, animals hibernate; like nothing grows. It's a really quiet time for reflection and the shorter days. So, for anybody listening, it's really good to start to track that and think about what happens in nature because that's what happens in us. Like, how cool are women's bodies? Like, we go through four seasons of nature in one month. I just think it's the coolest thing ever. (laughs) Mm. I really wish that
1: we had been taught this in schools or that there was much more emphasis on on this in schools because we spend so much time fighting it. You mentioned feminine energy and masculine energy. And we spend so much time in this, especially when you have your own business, hustling and this kind of feeling like you have to work 24-7, never let up when really you're this is not the way that our bodies were designed we are designed to have rest we are designed to be able to take our feet off the pedal a little bit and kind of tend to ourselves and I do love the fact that all of these conversations are starting to become yeah maybe not mainstream but these conversations are starting to happen
2: more openly Definitely. And it's interesting. I love to talk about the subjects. You know, I had a career in HR for 22 years in corporate companies that would not want to talk about this subject. And I love, I find it. there's companies now that are interested in talking about these subjects that we haven't spoken about before. And I hope that there's this shift starting to happen, that we need to have these conversations. We need to help women in the workplace, harness this magic of their monthly cycle. Like, let's get out of this hustle and male masculine energy all the time. Because I do think that drives our health. Like, if, we are, if our body is designed to rest at a certain time, but we're not honoring that, then it's going to show up. It's going to manifest in some shape or the other. And I do think it will come out in your health in some way. Mm, absolutely.
1: I want to talk about your work um as a um a coach specializing in imposter syndrome, and how perhaps some of the learnings you've gained about yourself over the last three years have tied into or fed into the work
2: that you do with clients, yeah. So I'm obsessed with talking to women about their cycles. So if I, <laughs> if I have a client that has been you know they've made real progress but then all of a sudden they've got a day where they're feeling like really doubtful, the first thing I ask them before anything what day what day of your cycle are you on? I do it with my friends as well. Like I'm always asking people where are you in your cycle? So I've I've been able to to carry on whilst it's about you know my specialist subject is imposter syndrome, that's where you're doubting your abilities. But actually, there's times in your cycle and where your hormones affect that. So there's there's two times in your monthly cycle where it will be louder than it normally is. And if you can start to understand that actually this is just because of your hormones, so I'm constantly asking my clients. I, I, I encourage them to track their cycle. And actually don't believe everything that you think. Like at this moment in time, don't be making decisions because this isn't the perfect time to be making decisions because you're being more led by your hormones right now. And maybe we can park that and come back to it. So I think it's just, for me, it's given me um, a way to be more in tune with my body. And I encourage my clients just to do exactly the same, to start to understand what is happening with you personally and yeah a lot of the times it's where they're saying I just don't feel it this week and it's the it's the week of their cycle you know they're having Mm. their bleed and I'm like so how are you going to build some resting you know your body doesn't want to be going a hundred mile an hour right now (laughs) so yeah I, I I definitely talk about it with all of my clients, but also all the people that I just speak to on a day to day basis.
1: Yeah. So you said that there are two points uh, in the menstrual cycle where um, that inner critic, that self yes. that would be louder. Is it
2: right before the period and in the first couple of days of the bleed? So it's when, when you go into your spring. So if you think about spring, everything's starting to come alive, and that's when it starts to become like you're wanting to move into getting things done and making plans and bringing things to life that's when it pops up so Mm. I always say to people if it pops up in spring say go away you can come back in autumn now's not Mm. the time
1: yeah
2: I haven't got time for you right now so come back in autumn and then we'll have a chat in autumn so it's sort of trying to push it to I'll have an appointment with you in two weeks come back in two weeks we'll have a chat then (laughs) right Okay. and then autumn is when it is it's is loudest yeah. so you know you get into your comparison should i be running my business should i go and get a job should i quit is my work as good as everybody else's that really good idea that i've been doing maybe it's not so good like you've just got to watch you've really got to be mindful and and look at it what's going on with my thoughts this week because that's all they are we don't have to believe everything but that's normally what happens so i Know that if I start to doubt anything, I think, okay, well, that's what's happening now because my hormones are driving this. Let's look at this. So I schedule some time for the week after when it's out of autumn into winter, and I think or or spring. Let's have a look at this decision. Then is it still Mm. the case? And most of the time, it's not.
1: It's interesting what you said about um, that inner critic popping up um, in. After you finish your period, as you go into spring, yeah, um, because yeah, you you start to your estrogen starts to rise again, your testosterone starts to rise, and perhaps I never really had looked at it this this way before, but perhaps you know that that growing of kind of feeling lots of ideas starting to feel more creative back feeling back in yeah. your body, that can be a bit too much, yeah, and that your brain. For some people, the brain wants to put the brakes on that a little bit, like, whoa, whoa, whoa,
2: let's calm down here. Yeah, because our brain is basically there. Its function is to keep us safe. So if we are thinking of putting ourselves out in the world more and being more visible and all of the things, which is wonderful in this spring energy, our brain goes, whoa, this is a bit risky. This doesn't feel safe. And it wants to put you back into that comfort zone. And even if you're miserable in it, stay where you're safe. So it is, it's it's very interesting. And it's good that you put it like that, that it's linked to certain hormones increasing, which is growing. So we want to grow naturally Mm. with that. And our brain goes, no, let's keep you safe. Let's get the inner critic putting you down and hopefully you'll listen to it and keep yourself safe. But you've just got to... Like I said, just not believe everything you think, or tell your brain. Like I say to my brain sometimes, it's okay. I am safe. If I do these things, I will still be safe. Yeah. Thank you for letting me know, but I'm okay. I've got yeah. this. So I chat to my brain and let it know because it 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 does. Like sometimes you can get frustrated with like my inner chatter is so horrible, but it is designed to keep you safe. It's trying to. It's got the best intentions. It's just not helping you. So you've just got to chat mm. to it sometimes, like you chat to a friend. It's all
1: right. I've yeah. it. <laughs> Talk a bit about imposter syndrome
2: and why you decided to specialize in this area. Um, so, imposter syndrome, I experienced it for a, a huge chunk of my life. Now, when I look back, probably from about the age of 10. I can link experiences of how I experienced it right throughout my corporate career. I had a really successful corporate career. And now I look back and think I missed it all because I was constantly waiting for someone to tap me on the shoulder and go, no, you don't belong here. You shouldn't be here. You're not as good as we thought you might have been. Your work isn't up to scratch. We're going to have to replace you. Like the whole of that time, I had that niggling in the back of my brain. And so when I went to train as a coach and they kept saying, you need a niche, you need, you need to have something that you specialize in. I was looking around thinking, I don't know what it should be. Um, and only through working with a coach, she was saying, well, talk to me about what you experienced in the workplace. And I was like, yeah, well, I had all of this going on. And she said, that sounds like imposter syndrome. And I Googled it and I was like, yeah, that's how I used to feel. Wow. And thankfully, I'd done lots of personal development and work on myself that actually I'd helped to move myself out of it. Like I still experience it now. Like I'm a recovering imposter. It still comes back every time, like you said, every time I try and grow and elevate, it's waiting. Whoa, let's keep you safe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and again, you know, I'd spent... 22 years working in the corporate world where we didn't talk about these things there was no one I could like I worked in HR so there was no one I could go and speak to but I knew people weren't coming to me and saying like I'm really struggling with my own self-worth or my esteem or my confidence we were always training people in time management and customer service skills we weren't talking about the real stuff that sits underneath
1: Mm. as a
2: human being that helps us thrive more in the workplace and I was just thinking I experienced this and I still experience it you know the intensity is mild now compared to what it used to be so I will always be able to resonate with my clients I'll understand the journey they're on I'll understand the workplace and how hard it is sometimes to battle with imposter syndrome while you've got all the external factors going on so I can resonate with that I will always be working on it myself And like I said, I just like to sort of push the boundaries of the workplace. Like if we can start to talk about this, then maybe we can start to tackle it from inside the companies as well. A lot of people come to me one-on-one, but they're paying for that themselves. But what if companies started to invest in starting to tackle these things? It's happening in the workplace. Mm. They can avoid it, but if you start to tackle this and let employees know that it actually... Lots of us experience it and we can talk about it and we can look at tools and techniques that we can put in place and reviewing their systems and their processes. Because a lot of companies, the way they operate, actually it's a breeding ground. So if you can look at all your policies and your procedures and your ways of working, you can also change things to help people thrive and overcome their imposter syndrome. So, yeah, it's just for me, it's this big mission of not just helping individuals, but how can we change this whole subject? How can we stop this taboo thing that we are so fearful of letting everyone know that we doubt our abilities? What if we just had these really open conversations? And it's so wonderful. If I do a workshop, you know, the relief that people feel that they're in a room full of 40 people and then they realize that actually most people in there have those same sort of thoughts going around in their head. It's such. They realize they're not alone anymore, so for me, yeah, it's just this whole passion of a mission of just just changing the way that people think in their heads, but also that being able to transfer into businesses as well.
1: I interviewed someone um, earlier in the year who said that imposter her imposter syndrome she it helped it actually motivated her and it helped her not to get comfortable with where she was in her business and her career. Um, What would you say to that? What would you say to people who say that, well, actually,
2: imposter syndrome isn't necessarily a bad thing? That's okay, as long as it's from a healthy point of view. So what I find sometimes is people say, it helps me to push myself. It helps me to over-prepare for things, make sure that everything's right. But you can fall into the trap then of perfectionism and overworking and having, um, you know, flaky boundaries, like you've got to look at what is driving me if it's a good, healthy driver. But what I find sometimes is that you overwork and what is the reason you're overworking? You're overworking to prove that you're good enough. Mm. So as long as you get to, is it a healthy thing that imposter syndrome is giving me? then absolutely hold on to it. You know, I'm not saying get rid of it. I'm saying minimise it. But if you find it's holding you back in any way and or it's making you feel um, in a negative way or your negative chatter in your head or your behaviours are unhealthy, then tackle it. But if you've got a healthy relationship with it, I'm not saying let go of it.
1: Mm. But it's, it's, so- it's
2: definitely back to the is it healthy for me to be constantly over-checking and over-preparing things?
1: Mm.
2: You've got to ask yourself these sort of questions. I can't answer for an individual. For me, I don't think that's personally healthy. Like mm. that's Because if I do that, then I'm not doing other things or it's encroaching into my time where I should be resting, having fun or spending time with loved ones. Yeah. I think you've just got to do a bit of an analysis on what's good about it. Yeah,
1: what you're saying is so interesting, because I definitely say that I have some imposter syndrome, like, less so now, because I really feel like the work that I'm doing, there's a place for it. And it's important. But definitely when I was working in advertising, I was running a massive account, I was traveling all over the world, but I still had this feeling of this knowing feeling of, well, you know, why I shouldn't be here. Why, why am I, why am I this person? But now I know that, you know, when I go up, give workshops or do presentations, I know that I'm supposed to be there. They've been asked there for a reason. And I meant, this is the work for me. What would you say to someone who, um, you've given so many amazing tips for people who are feeling imposter syndrome and it's holding them back what would you say your your number one tool or piece of advice is for someone who feels crippled by their imposter syndrome
2: I think one of the first things I always found journaling worked really well for me that's where I started my journey and interestingly I just started with writing about what I was grateful for each day it wasn't actually even about myself but because I started to look for things that were positive in the day it started to help my brain rewire and look for positives and then I just started to journal about instead of asking the questions what's wrong with me which is a you know we don't know but that's a terrible question because our brain is designed to be To look for the negative so if you say what's wrong with me your brain is like a loyal servant it goes oh I'll tell you what's wrong with you (laughs) I'll give you hundreds of things to tell you you've just got to start asking better questions so I started to think you know I'm a coach so that I'm that's what my job is to ask questions so I thought what better questions can I ask myself so I started to write down these questions and start to write down the answer and I find when you get out of your head like when you just allow your thoughts to go round and round in your head it's like you give them momentum it's like you give them power and they the negative ones just they sort of like link together it's like a big necklace you're wearing but I find when you put pen to paper it's like you're letting that little I call it like you're in a mentor. You've got this inner voice inside of you that really knows what you're good at. Who really believes in you. When you start, I found when I started to write things down, I was quite surprised about, Oh, I, I, I can, I, I have got these skills and yes, I have got these strengths. And I started to chip away at the beliefs that I had for me, really all, all imposter syndrome is, is a belief that you don't belong, a belief that you're not good enough, a belief that you're not smart enough, a, a belief that you're not cool enough to be in this space, a belief that you don't know enough. It's, it's all driven by what you believe and your thoughts, your feelings and, you, and how you behave is driven by that belief. So you've, you've got to tackle your beliefs. You've got to start to question what I'm believing. Is this still useful for me right now? Like you've, Mm -hmm. you've got to sit down and go, what are all these beliefs that I've got about myself? And I do that with my clients. You know, we, we go on a a treasure hunt, finding all these beliefs that are driving their thoughts, their feelings and their behaviors. And then you've got to start to break those down. And if you start to change what you believe about yourself, like you said, you start to change how you show up in the world. Mm -hmm. So even if the first thing you do is just start to ask yourself better questions and write down the answers and start to find evidence to prove that your imposter actually doesn't know everything. You might think it does, but it doesn't know everything. And actually, (laughs) you will have every single person. I have never met anybody who doesn't have skills, knowledge and experience that actually proves that the imposter isn't right. But I think sometimes we've got to also recognize that actually we're in an environment that can, like I said, can make us feel like an imposter. I was the first um, person in my family to go to college and work in the corporate world. So I was the first professional in my family. So I didn't have a role model to say this is how careers go. I was the first one in my family. I worked in a real male dominated white male dominated environment so lots of spaces you you go into as the first person and you don't always feel like you belong so it's our own internal thing we have to teach ourselves that no matter what the external is telling us that we have to tell ourselves that we do belong in these spaces
1: Mm.
2: Mm. we do belong
1: in these spaces I, I think that's really powerful as a kind of affirmation I belong we belong I love that Uh, if listeners take one thing away from all of the wonderful things that you've said
2: on the show today what would you want that to be I would say learn about your cycles like (laughs) it's been one of the most precious things that I have discovered in my 40s so if you're in your 20s or your 30s, even if you're in your 40s, it's good to know because you are surrounded by women in your life. You can help the next generation. We can stop this from happening to you know, women of my age, but let's stop it. Let's make sure that we're teaching the next generations about the magic of being a woman, about mm. the power and the energy that we flow in that cycle. If we know that, that can change the way that we are. Let's stop trying to be masculine energy all the time. Let's, I hate the word hustle. Like, let's just not, let's not talk about trying to be a man. Let's focus on being women because we are special. We have got Mm. something special to offer the world. Let's use those hormones and all of that energy to drive that. Mm. Brilliant.
1: Where, can listeners find out more about you if they want to tackle their imposter syndrome where can they find you to do that
2: yeah so on my website it's trishabarker.com they can look there I spend time on Instagram where I'm doing IGTVs etc where I share more stuff around imposter syndrome lots more tips and tricks and techniques um, and that is the imposter solution over on Instagram brilliant thank you so much for coming on the show oh, I really enjoyed thank, our conversation. thank you for doing this work you know <laughs> someone to be getting people like me talking about this you're 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 making things happen you're changing what it will be like for the next generations oh thank you so much
0: For more inspiring conversations, head over to periodstorypod.com where we have so many more for you to peruse. If you want help with your menstrual or hormone health, email me on hello at eatlovemove.com to set up a free 30-minute hormone health review. If you like today's show, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Tag us, come say hi, and send in your requests for who you'd like to see on the show on Instagram and Twitter on at period story Pod, or email us at hello at periodstorypod.com. I'm Linise Brothers, and you've been listening to Period Story. Thank you so much for listening.